When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Back here for a Wednesday show on the College Football Survivor Show. We're going to do draft stuff, but in a way that nobody else is doing draft stuff, Shahan, because I don't mean to be dumb. I just am dumb. I don't mean it. I don't really want to draft offensive linemen. No offense to them. I know they're super important. I'm not going to pretend I know whether Tyler Linderbaum should go 8th or 19th or how he compares to Evan Neal. That's just not my wheelhouse. So we're not drafting offensive linemen today. Does that make me a bad football podcast host? (laughs) I mean... If you want to draft a center, you know, in in the first five picks or whatever, sure, that's that's another conversation to have. But no, I agree. I I don't think that we need to be, uh, I, I don't think we need to be sorting through Ikemakwanu versus Charles Cross versus Evan Neal. I think that that's, I, I think that that's a little too into the weeds for what we do here. That's not what this podcast is about. That's not who we are. So we're drafting a parking lot six on six team. We're like playing pickup football. And we're going to go out in the parking lot after this draft, and we're going to play, and we're going to invite you guys to come. So what we're going to draft is we're going to draft six offensive players and six defensive players who are in this draft class. I am currently in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine as we talk here. So we're going to draft on the offensive side of the ball a quarterback, a running back, two receivers, a tight end, and then an all-purpose player. Probably be a receiver, but if you want to take a second running back or tight end, that's great. On the defensive side of the ball, we're going to take two corners, a safety, a linebacker, and two wild cards that can be any of those three positions. We're not taking defensive linemen either because we're not going to pretend we're offensive linemen experts. And man, Shahan, the edge rushers are getting a lot of attention. Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau and David Ajabo and Trayvon Walker, guys like that are at the top of this draft anyway. George Karloftis, they don't need more love from us, so we're leaving them out. Yeah, I mean, the the funny thing about this is going to be so, you know, can we can we get flexible with a uh, with somebody dropping into coverage? You know, Kayvon Thibodeau dropped into coverage a whole lot more this year than he did. And obviously, I think that you have to keep that in mind, right? This is a pass based system. You're, you know, I mean, if you want uh, if you want Kayvon Thibodeau to be uh, lined up against running backs in coverage, you know, that's something that you have to think about. Obviously, I guess the other thing too is that uh, you know. Even though it's a seven on seven system, you're assuming that running backs, I guess, are still running a little bit. I, I, well, I think I mean, that's another I, complication. I think we want to draft them. They're, we're mostly going to throw them swing passes, but I don't want to ignore guys who are good runners who maybe aren't the best pass catchers. So 
Listen, I mean, if you're a good running back, you'll catch it. <laughs> you'll catch it in our parking lot game. We'll coach you up to catch it. So um, the, the goal here is we're going to get some opinions about what we think of some of the guys in this draft. That's the goal. The goal is to have a little fun and, and to stick it to each other. You know, I, I hope at some point one of us goes, ah, I can't believe that's the whole point of drafts, right? Is to make somebody go, ah, so I hope somebody does that. <laughs> well, and, and I, I have to ask you before we get started, what's, what's kind of your strategy going into this? Because, you know, at one point my thought was, okay, you know, do you need to get the quarterback first? But then I, you know, it's not the best class of all time. So I don't know, like, how are you looking at this from a scarcity perspective? Yeah, it's it's where I think the biggest gaps are between like guys at the top of a position and then who's behind them. So like if I get that guy, then I'm going to have a gap over you because the second or third best guy, you know, the third guy's not as good as the second guy, the fourth guy's not as good as the third guy, that kind of thing. So so eliteness compared to the rest of your group. For instance, I'm really curious how things go at receiver because I think there, you know, there's some there's some consensus around who the best guys are, but not a sure thing. And, and just because there's consensus doesn't mean you agree with it. You're a contrarian. I don't know what I'm talking about, which which reflects itself in contrarian ways at times. So we don't have to go. We're not just going to go down the draft board and say, well, we're going to pick who we like. So I'll give you first pick, beauty before age or whatever the thing is. I don't know. <laughs> so you can go first, and then we'll just go back and forth. You have to fill the 12 spots on your team. So like once, some, you know, there's some wild card spots so that leave some stuff open, but there's some strategy to it. But we'll also we'll we'll talk a little bit about the guys. Right. What we think they might be like as pros. But, you know, we're drafting 24 guys in an hour. So, I mean, this is not going to be the most extensive breakdown in the history of draft podcasts either. But, Shahan, you have the first pick. Yeah. So um, this is tough, right? It's a lot of different directions to go. I think that. Heading into this, I'm looking at these positions where only one is guaranteed, right? We're only guaranteed one running back, one quarterback, one tight end, uh, and one safety and one linebacker. And when I look at the board for each of these guys, there's one guy who plays one of those positions that I think is just a total game changer versus the rest of them. So with my first pick, I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame at safety. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a good start. Good start. Good start. <laughs> Kyle Hamilton rated number three on the CBS Sports uh, NFL Draft prospect rankings. Nobody else is higher than 24 among safeties. So he's a guy who's going to have a legitimate chance to be picked in the top three to five picks. Uh, he dealt with injuries this past year. I assume that we're just kind of uh, assuming that everybody's healthy. But he is the sort of safety who has sideline to sideline potential. Just a total game changer at free safety. Uh, I think he can contribute in the run game. Game. He certainly contributes in the past game. Again, he's just somebody who plays all over the field. And I almost feel like the NFL is behind a little bit among safeties because I think that having a great free safety is killer. Just absolutely insane because it's just somebody who helps in every avenue of your team. Now, not everybody's Kyle Hamilton. Not everybody's that top-level safety. But if you have one of those guys... To me, it completely changed the way that you play defense. So with my first pick, I'm going with Kyle Hamilton. If I had had the first pick, I would have done and said what exactly what you just did. <laughs> I am totally in on game-changing safeties at the NFL level. It's like the battle that they have with quarterbacks. 
guys who can cover, guys who can go sideline to sideline. That mental game that you you, you know you're you're reading routes, you're making quarterbacks, you're sort of moving around back there. You're big in the run game. I mean, it, it is just it's next level. I think it's a get over the top position. Sometimes is it like where you start in the, in the NFL? No, no. You start at quarterback. You start at edge rusher. You got to protect your quarterback. But when you are a good team and you're looking to be great, like what Tyron Matthew did for a couple of years when he went to Kansas City, it just like he just it makes you nervous as a quarterback to play him. So if I can get a game-changing safety, I completely agree. The gap there is the biggest. He would have been my first pick. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have given you the first pick. What did I? <laughs> right, hey, uh, people, when when you vote on who you think won this poll, make sure and come back to to this whole se- sequence, okay? So I I do I do think that um, I'll be curious. The a team has to be bold here because you don't. There's not a huge history of like safeties going in the top five. Yeah. And the thing is, when you're when you're bad, I think safety can feel like a luxury because, like, well, you can take a corner, you can take an edge rusher, you can take a tackle, you can take a quarterback. Why would you take a safety? So I think he might fall based on that. But like, as soon as there's like a good team, like the first good team that's up there, this is the guy to get. This is the get you over the top guy. He's special. I think it's a great pick. I'm going to stay on defense, and I'm going to take Derek Stingley Jr. Um, he's the consensus best corner. Obviously didn't play a ton of snaps last year um, at LSU. The LSU season kind of got away from a little bit. Prototype, 6'1", 195, has been starting since his freshman year, is is everything you want in a corner. And I do think there's a little bit of a gap here as well. I think on the offensive side of the ball, the gaps aren't as big. There's not even consensus necessarily. I'm pretty sure he'll be the first corner taken. And so if I can't have Hamilton, I'll take Stingley. No, uh, cornerback's interesting. They're, they're, I think Stingley's the best, no question about it. There's kind of like, I'd say probably four elite guys. I, I think that we'll probably get to more of them in, in the coming picks. So this makes me nervous, right? Because I don't know what you're going to do with those all-purpose spots too, right? I, I think that we could be in a position where you're you're picking some of those ahead. So I think I'll have to get to those pretty quickly, but I'm not going to do it quite as yet I think where I'm going to go next is I think I'm going to go to linebacker and the game changer at linebacker here the guy who to me again you you see it in coverage you see it in stopping the run you see it everywhere is Nicobe Dean from Georgia uh, he is just a rocket <laughs> being you know he's shot out of a cannon every time uh, a play goes off and I think that you know Jordan Davis got so much love and, and rightfully so Jordan Davis is a great player but like Nicobe Dean was the face of that defense he made everything go it wasn't just how quick he is it wasn't just the way that he got after it but it's also the way that he processes I think that he processes it at such a high level and when you're a great athlete I think that kind of thing often gets overlooked and so when I look at somebody who I feel like I could just drop into any system even if we're playing a, a six on six system I, I think that Nicobe Dean is that guy and I look at the linebacker board there's another great linebacker that I think uh, is in competition but like I just think that Nicobe Dean is that top level playmaker I'm curious where he's gonna go I don't disagree with anything you said Micah Parsons obviously was a huge impact first linebacker off the board last year but Micah Parsons isn't even a linebacker 
Micah Parsons is. He's an edge rusher who can play linebacker. That's not a comparison here. Isaiah Simmons, two years ago, was the first linebacker off the board from Clemson. His number eight pick, he wasn't a linebacker, right? He's half a safety, half he can rush. But he also has not really hit in a way that maybe you thought he would hit as the number eight pick in the draft. Devin White is the guy I go back to three years ago in 2019. I I really liked him at the Combine. He's he's a do-all, do-everything kind of guy out of LSU. And you can look at some PFF numbers on him that, like, he's he's a good football player, but the grade's not huge. Like, how much of an impact does he really make? It sort of felt like, I don't know, when they won the Super Bowl, it was like, hey, Devin White, he was an important guy there. But I do wonder about linebacker impact. So, again, I'm curious where N'Kobe Dean ends up going. But as we saw in the national title game, give me a run and chase, smart, speedy, attacking linebacker who can get after the quarterback, who can chase down running backs, who's a sure tackler, who can cover. He seems like he can do it all. He's the linebacker I would have taken. I'll be fascinated to see where he actually goes because he's a great football player. But will he have a chance to make the impact that guys in other positions can right do you think he'll be a top 10 pick or do you think that's a stretch for him no i think that he'll be more like uh i think he'll be in the 15 range right like uh i mean it's i feel like it's easy and a little lazy to do this because they both went to the same school but like it's you know it's roquan smith coming out a couple of years ago right he was the number eight pick went to the chicago bears uh i believe was a pro bowler for the first time this year so that's what i expect from him i don't expect him to go number eight in the draft but I think anywhere in the 10 to 15 range uh, makes a lot of sense. The thing I like about him, too, is that he's a modern linebacker. He's not somebody that you're going to have to take off the field on third downs. He, he's somebody who's going to be able to play every down for whichever team in the NFL because he's so versatile. And again, with with what I spend my time covering, I'm around the Cleveland Browns a lot. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa as a second-round pick out of Notre Dame was the best, arguably the best linebacker in college football two years ago. Totally. He he made a huge difference for the Browns defense because, again, whatever your position is, if you're a space guy, you're in space and you can chase down people in the passing game, sideline to sideline. Like, I don't, it doesn't even, are you a linebacker? Are you a strong safety? Are you just a fast guy who can read and identify and attack? I want that. And I think Nicobe Dean's that. I think, as you said, I think Nicobe Dean translates in every way to the NFL. Yeah, I, I feel bad because this is just like the example, unfortunately, but uh I don't want a linebacker who's gonna get run by like Tough Borland against Devonta Smith, right? I, I just don't want it. And and this is not one of those types of linebackers. No, Nicobe Dean is not Tough Borland. <laughs> yes. Well, great analysis, Jahan. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna double down on this, and I and I thought maybe you would maybe go with this guy. I think this guy's the second best guy at his position. I don't know that there's consensus on that, but I like him. I've heard of him. I'm going to take Sauce Gardner at corner. That was uh, – man, yeah. No, that, that's who I was considering here. That's who I was considering. Again, I think that there are four great corners on the board, but you definitely got the top two. I think I did too. I, I like everything about uh, Ahmed, Ahmed Gardner's game, 6'3". I mean, great length, just like did it all. Like is the, is your prototypical guy. Um, according to PFF, a lot 131 passing yards in 14 games. Like it's just an absolute shutdown guy. So when we get out in the parking lot, you're going to have a little trouble. Your receivers might have a hard time getting open uh, on Stingley and Gardner. And again, I, these guys are both going to go high, right? And it's one of those where this is normal. This is what we see. Um, you know, and I, and I think the higher Stingley goes, the higher Gardner will go. 
right? Because all of a sudden one guy's gone. Oh, I thought I, I better get this guy. I think they're both top 10 picks probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. I, I got to give you some hell. I got to, I got to, I got to give your guys some problems. So I'm going to take my number one receiver on the board. I'm going to take Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. And that hurts me. That, hurt, that hurts me in my, in my heart. He was the best guy all year. Like even last year, I think in a lot of ways, Garrett Wilson was that guy at receiver. You know, I mean, Chris Olave was kind of that deep threat. Uh, obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba did a lot of his work in the shorter game. Garrett Wilson's a three level receiver. He, you know, he's a great route runner. He's got elite speed. He's got incredible body control. I mean, it is just otherworldly the level of body control that he has and so to me when i'm projecting to the next level especially when i when i look at some of these receivers who have come out right this is not a league where you need to be six five and jumping over everybody there there are guys on this board who are that but uh that's just not really where the game has gone it's really a route running league it's a timing league it's a it's a body control league it's a it's a getting to the ball first league and to me, Garrett Wilson just is every one of those traits. So when I look at this draft, which I think is a really good wide receiver draft again, and I think probably every wide receiver draft until the end of time is going to continue to be a great receiver draft. Uh, I, I think Garrett Wilson's number one on my board. He's no doubt the top receiver in my mind as well. I think these are the top five guys. I, I think a lot of people, if we like, we explain the thing we're doing well, six on six and it's a parking lot. And what there's no, what are we doing? But once we try to explain what this is, I think these are the five best guys because it's the two best corners, clearly the best linebacker, clearly the best safety, and maybe not quite as clearly the best receiver, but I think the best receiver. Receivers are talking to the media on Wednesday. Uh, I will be interviewing and writing about Garrett Wilson at Cleveland.com. And then they're going to start working out, I think, on Thursday. He's going to have all the interviews. I think it's very possible, Shahan that Garrett Wilson comes out of the combine as the slam dunk, no doubt about it, number one receiver. He's super smart. He's explosive. He has good hands. He runs good routes. I think when they talk football with him, he is a really good guy to talk football with. I th- I compared him. I think he is almost a franchise quarterback kind of personality. Like you want him in your room. You want him on your team. I, I like everything about him, and I've watched every snap of his college career. No offense to Drake London or Traylon Burks or Jamison Williams or Chris Olave or all the other great receivers in this draft. I just think he's the combination of everything. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He's not as big as Burks in London, but he's bigger and a little thicker, I think, than guys like Olave and, and, and Dotson. So he's the guy here. I would have taken him if you didn't. And I, I think he's an instant impact guy. Like we can't compare everybody in the world to Jamar Chase because that is not what you can expect from everybody. We can't compare everybody in the world to Justin Jefferson. But I would bet that Garrett Wilson has a thousand receiving yards next year. I think he's better than like Jalen Waddle. And Jalen Waddle's awesome. But I'd take Garrett Wilson over Jalen Waddle. Would I take him over Jamar Chase? I uh, I don't know. Jamar Chase is pretty special. But man, I think this guy's got it all. Yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase had, like, the best season by a rookie receiver in the history of football. So I'm never going to bet. I'm not going to bet on anybody to do that. Randy Moss could come back tomorrow reincarnated, and I probably wouldn't bet on him to do that. But uh, but I think that he has a chance to be a really special player. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a direction where I want to get a guy that I want. And I don't know if this is the guy that you have number one at this position, but I want this guy, and I'm going to take Malik Willis at quarterback. I think he is the biggest upside guy. I, I I can't tell if you're like, oh, great pick, Doug. If you're like, go ahead. 
take take the toolsy liberty quarterback yeah i uh, yeah i think um i'll be curious how how he does at the combine it seems like he had a good senior bowl people are getting a little fired up about him there's some some draft people draft analysts that i like i saw one of the guys that i like ian wharton is like all over him like thinks he's a better prospect than trey lance which I don't think is a crazy thing to say. It's like, oh, how could the guy from Liberty be a better quarterback pro- uh, prospect than the guy from North Dakota State? It's like, well, I, okay. And Trey Lance went third last year. Is he Trevor Lawrence? No, he's not Trevor Lawrence. But I think he's got what you want. It's an upside swing. It's not that there's other quarterbacks I don't like here, but I think his upside run pass, um, big arm, is is where you take the swing. And so um, – I think he's going to be – somebody's going to fall in love with him. He's going to go higher than anybody expects, although he keeps creeping up people's draft boards. Before any of this started, when the season ended, like I think people thought he might go in the second round. Now it's like he's going to go in the top 10. So he's going to go ahead of Kenny Pickett. I'm not taking Kenny Pickett. No offense to Kenny Pickett, but I think that's less of a ceiling there. We don't talk about Matt Corral or Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter. We can talk about those guys. Um, this is the guy that I want, and so I don't know if it's the best value here, but that's my pick. Yeah, this is great. I don't have to pick a quarterback until the last pick in the draft now because I cool. I don't know. I mean, I like Malik Willis. I think that he's a very toolsy player and uh I don't think it's ridiculous to to say that he has more potential or is a better value or whatever now than than Trey Lance. I think my big thing is that I also wouldn't have drafted Trey Lance number three, to be quite honest. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, he's, this is the sort of, this is the sort of swing that I think that you can take in the teens or twenties, right? Where you feel pretty good about it. You feel like this is somebody who has a chance to be pretty special. Um, he's not somebody I would take in the top 10, but at the same time, you're limited by the quarterbacks who are on this board, right? You're limited by the guys who are in this draft. And so, you know, for me, I, I haven't made a final decision of, what quarterback I'm going to go with. I have a couple different directions I'm considering. Uh, but I, I will tell you Malik Willis was not among the players that I was particularly considering. I would not take him ahead of Justin Fields. Oh, no. But I would take him ahead of Mac Jones, I think. I just think you take – if you're taking some tools – if you're looking for traits, right? I mean, you got to have some traits. And I know Tom Brady's trait is identify defenses and yeah. throw a ball accurately. I mean, you so never you never try to project the, the Brady trait. I mean, that's just ridiculous at this point. I, 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 of the guys here, I think there's the most possibility here. And the, the hits that we've seen, right, the, the Patrick Mahomes hit and the Josh Allen hit and – the Lamar Jackson hit and all, all the things that we know it's find some guys who do something special. And I think this guy does have a combination of the arm and the ability to run. And uh, I think he's got a lot of other things too. So, all right, let's take a quick break. Those are our first six picks. Kyle Hamilton, Derek Stingley Jr. Nicobe Dean, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Malik Willis. Where will we go next in our six on six parking lot draft? We'll find out next on the College Football Survivor Show. In case you missed the last College Football Survivor Show. Shahan, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network has his top 50 prospects. Do you want to guess how many of those 50 are from the four playoff teams? 12? Oh, you cheated. Isn't it fun to guess and get things right? We could just set the listeners up just to make you seem like even smarter than you actually are. You're quite a smart young man. We could have done that, did we? I just watched this Nightmare Alley thing. 
Bradley Cooper in it. It's all about like carnies and stuff like that and the carnies and like, you know, putting one over on people and mentalism and tricking people. You and I, it's like we're a mentalist act because it's really easy to do a mentalist act on a podcast because you just say before the podcast what everybody's going to do. I promise I do not care enough to cheat on this test. If only Shahan cared enough about our podcast to actually have like a two-minute meeting ahead of it to try to trick our listeners. We just were like, oh, you ready to do the pod? Yeah, ready to do the pod. Talk. And that's how we do it. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts for exclusive College Survivor Show bonus episodes. All right, we are down to pick number seven. We've taken four defensive players and two offensive players so far. Shahan, who you got? Yeah, I mean, look if you're if you're gonna uh, if you're gonna take a not a quarterback in a not especially passer friendly draft, I'm going to try to make my second quarterback's pick. Uh, this is a very confusing way of phrasing. I'm taking another receiver. Is the point? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got Garrett Wilson, my number one receiver on the board, and I'm going to compliment him with another receiver who I think does things a little different than he does, which I like, and that's Drake London from USC. Uh, you got the one sort of great route runner, the super speedy guy in Garrett Wilson. And with Drake London, you've got the guy who has speed, who has route running, but can go over the top. Uh, six foot five, 210 pounds, very physical player. Was having like an all time type of season before he got hurt after eight games. Would have easily won the Blitnikoff award if he stays healthy. Uh, I, I think he's a really special player. I, I think that he has a chance to, to really be a dynamic player at the next level. And, you know, I, I think that. He continued to get better over the course of his career, and I think that there might be even some untapped uh, upside there as well. Yeah, he's my second receiver too. Um, if I didn't take Willis, that's who I would have taken. I just feel like there is a group of receivers, but I still feel like you got the best two. So it's like, hey, Doug, congratulations on getting like receivers four, five, and six in the draft because <laughs> I mean they're not they're not all the same. Um, I, I I do think London has a, a shot and he just seems to have like a lot of number one receiver traits, right? Again, that like there are some big receivers doing pretty well in the NFL right now. And I think it's a good pick. And knowing that you didn't like Malik Willis at all, I guess I should have sniffed that out from previous podcasts, maybe. Maybe I should have <laughs> taken Drake London there. Um, all right. I'm gonna take a little bit of a weird pick here. Um, this is an overdraft, maybe, and I'm not even sure what position he is i'd like him though i guess i'll take him at safety i guess he's a safety although he's kind of a corner i'm gonna take dax hill from michigan which is again i think he is a he fits in a lot of ways in the modern nfl he can he can play like slot corner he can play a deep safety i think he can cover i think he can stop the run i think he's athletic i think he's smart like i just i like a lot of what he does and if I'm looking for some safety upside or some wild card upside here, I'm leaning into my defense. He's just a guy that's on my radar. You know, he's not a surefire first round pick, but I think a lot of people have him going in the first round. He's not as graded as high as some of the guys I, that are still left on the board. I just think he fits a lot of what NFL defenses want to do, and the versatility helps. Yeah, I think that uh, in terms of t- if, of having to take a safety, I think this is the safety to take who's left on the board. I, I think he's clearly number two on the board. You mentioned it. Maybe he transitions into being more of a nickel or something like that. But I think that uh, if you're looking for safety upside, this is the guy. We saw what he was able to do on Michigan's defense uh, in a lot of ways. The Michigan defense was great, but it was a very front seven heavy unit. 
And Dax Hill was kind of that guy on the back end who covered up the rest, who kind of made things difficult for quarterbacks on the back end. And he can help in the run game, kind of like what I was talking about with Kyle Hamilton, although probably not that dynamic. Uh, you know, but I think that he's a great player, uh, Tulsa's own, you know, so, so from down here as well. So I think, uh, I think he has a chance to be a great player. And I think that if you're going to take a safety, I think that's, that's the pick. All right. Well, I feel better now. Thank you. For <laughs> Who you got? Yeah, I, I can't take the risk of getting left behind with these cornerbacks. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Roger McCreary from Auburn. Uh, he is one of those top four cornerbacks, uh, that I kind of came into this day with, uh, even though he played on a bad team, the defense was pretty good. He was a huge part of that. Uh, he was constantly matched up against some of the best receivers in the country, of course, playing in the SEC West uh, and had a lot of success. He was a big part of, of Auburn keeping Alabama underwater a little bit, uh, in, in that Iron Bowl and having a chance to win, if not for a lot of stuff happening at Auburn. And so I think, uh, I think that he projects very well to the next level. Um, you know, he is a senior. He, he doesn't, uh, he's not an underclassman like a lot of these other guys on the board, but he has great size. I think he has great instincts for the ball. And he, and again, he's one of those guys who got a lot better as a senior too. So I think that maybe there's some more up, uh, untapped upside in that pick. That's good. I'll, I'll be curious to say, so you said you had four corners in mind as four top corners. You've taken three, three have been taken now. Um, and then you, when, you know, maybe you'll get your fourth guy too and you'll unveil him. I'm going to go receiver here and I'm going to go with the guy that I think is the third receiver in the draft. I don't know that everybody else thinks this. Uh, Traylon Brooks from Arkansas, 6'3, 225. He's big. He's fast. He can play in the slot. He's also like a deep threat down the field. I think he's like a, a rare package of stuff. There's not a lot of 6'3, 225 receivers out there. And I think it has a chance to pop. And so, um, He's not he's not as fast as Jamison Williams, but I I think there's a lot of things he does that profile as like a number one receiver. Like you got a guy with that size who also can hurt people deep. I I like a lot about it. And again, I do a lot of stuff with the Cleveland Browns. The Browns I think should take a receiver at 13, and these are the three guys in this order. I think they should take Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Traylon Burks, and I think any of them would make sense at 13 for the Browns. I think any of them could could be the guy. At 13, and I'm just really curious to see when the first receiver goes and then what that does to the domino effect. I don't think all three of them will be gone by 13, and a lot of people have the Browns targeting a receiver there. But the New York teams are ahead of them. They might go receiver. People love receivers. I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm really curious to see how this stuff unfolds. But I like this guy, Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Yeah, he's an interesting pick. Uh you know, again, like you mentioned, to, to have a guy who moves the way that he does at 6'3", 225 is not normal. Averaged nearly 17 yards of reception, 11 touchdowns. Uh, I think he has certainly those tools to be able to pop and be a, uh, be sort of a complete receiver. I think to me, it's just like, it's so interesting in 2022 to, to be sort of like projecting out a receiver who like didn't get targeted a ton I mean he did get targeted a ton but like you know you you talk about like the Ohio State receivers and the Alabama receivers who are just doing these crazy things all over the field right it's kind of interesting to have a receiver who's a little bit more of like a we used him situationally you know I mean that's just not something that you see very much these days but I I saw the vision I mean he kind of single-handedly decimated Texas A&M in a lot of ways uh in that game which I got to see in person and uh you know so I I see the vision for it there I I definitely he's somebody who I wasn't sure 
whether I was going to take him or where I was going to take him. He's probably something I would, I would have thought about as a flex, but like the upside's there. I mean, this, this kind of goes back to our whole dynamic as always, right? You see the upside. I see what they've done. And so I think that this is a, I think that our picks are, I've kind of borne that out. I'm a very positive person. I like to see the best in people. And you like to see, you know, facts and stats. I like to see who you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So that's pick number 10. Who's your pick at number 11, Sean? Yeah, this is, this is getting pretty tough. Um, I have a guy in my back pocket but i think i'm gonna wait i think i'm gonna take the other corner first uh, just to get him out of my system and that's clemson's andrew booth jr uh again clemson's defense even though the team wasn't always great the defense was fantastic even after they continued to lose defensive linemen like brian brisset and and andrew booth was a big part of that he had some really key games uh he had big opportunities to prove himself and i think that he did it at a high level and Again, you talk about tape, you talk about somebody who's been in the program for multiple years and and succeeded at every part of it, I guess. Uh, you know, I think that Andrew Booth has been that player for Clemson. So if Clemson's offense wasn't such a tire fire, I think he would have had more opportun- opportunities to showcase himself in 2021. Uh, but I think that I've seen everything that I need to see from him uh, over his first couple of years. Uh, good pick. No, no argument there. And uh, again, it's one of those things. Clemson didn't have the year they expected, but like Clemson has some awesome players so um booth is the fourth corner off the board here that's the 11th pick and i'm gonna go with a guy here this is i think he probably like deserves to go now um i think he is i don't know if it's like the best strategy in the world and i don't know he's gonna look good in the parking lot i think at the very least and and i'll feel good about that I do think he's an NFL linebacker. It's a little different style maybe um, than N'Kobe Dean, but I'll take Devin Lloyd out of Utah who um, can get down on the edge and rush a little bit. Had did do that at time for the Utes is, is maybe, I mean, you know, when Ohio State was getting ready to play Utah in the Rose Bowl, I, 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 this guy is like arguably like the best defensive player in Utah history. Like this, this guy is like a, a program changer. And so, um, you know, a little bit, he's a bigger guy, right? So not as much of the run and chase kind of linebacker, but I think you you put him in the middle of your defense. Maybe this is more like a Micah Parsons kind of thing, that Micah Parsons is a little bit of everything. I think you can put Devin Lloyd on the edge on third down uh, in the NFL and try to get some stuff out of him there. The rest of the time, he's going to be a good, you know, um, foundational piece of your defense. So this is a guy I think most people, you know, have him certainly projected in the first round. PFF. Their rankings, they have Devin Lloyd as the 14 overall player in this draft, Kobe Dean at 16. I would have taken Dean ahead of Lloyd. But I think like when you talk about linebackers, I think he's definitely one of the two best linebackers in the draft. And so I'll take him here. No question about it. I mean, this was the other guy on the board for me as well. There's some interesting options, but... You almost have to like talk yourself into going off board, right? Like Chad Muma from Wyoming is a player who I think is going to be an NFL starter, but like, so are these two guys, <laughs> you know, uh, Damone Clark, uh, the most productive linebacker in the SEC, really interesting, you know, but I, I don't know if I want to go there. One guy who I was surprised was a little lower on the CBS board was Leo Chanel, who went number 117 and was to me 
Wisconsin's best defensive player by quite a bit. Uh, but, you know, again, it's just sometimes when you're projecting to that next level, it gets a little interesting. I still probably would have considered taking him if I, uh, if there weren't these two guys here or if we had to take more linebackers or something. But, but if you only have two, I think that Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd are the two best on the board by a, a pretty decent margin. Leo Chanel, the number 37 overall player on the PFF board. Again, like that, best, that makes a lot more sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Best player on like maybe the second best defense in the country. So um, we'll see. We still got some wild cards. We can work another linebackers there if we want to. I'll, I'll, I'll be watching out for you to take Leo Chanel. We're at pick 13. Um, you have two offensive players, four defensive players. I have two offensive players, four defensive players. It's funny that we're leaning defense here. Yeah, we took out the edge rushers. Like the edge rushers are out, but it is it, it, that's yeah. Maybe it's that the the offensive stuff is too deep. The quarterbacks are uncertain. Trevor Lawrence would have been a high pick last year. The quarterbacks are uncertain, and the receivers are too deep. And the tight ends, I don't even know. Like I, the tight end, I might take might be like the ninth tight end drafted, but there's sort of like that. Everybody likes a 6'5", 250-pound tight end, and there's 14 of them in this draft and every draft, I guess, and you just got to hope you find the right one. And then running back, also there's not a there's not an Ezekiel Elliott in this draft, right? There's not a guy – there's not a Saquon Barkley in this draft. There's not a sure thing running back at the top. But I do think this is more a reflection, not that there aren't good receivers, but there are almost too many good receivers that were slow playing that a little bit. So pick 13 to you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you saying that about uh, about the tight ends that you might go off board is actually more concerning to me than uh, than heading in. I thought that you'd have a very like straightforward type of path, and now now I'm a little concerned, but I'm not going to go to tight end as yet. I'm I, I, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to go with my boy Jalen Petrie from Baylor as one of my flex players, and. This guy is a flex player in all senses of the word. He he lines up as a safety. That's how he's going to be projected into the NFL. But the thing that I love about him, especially in this kind of draft, is that he has played everywhere on the field. He's played linebacker. He's played safety. He also lines up as an edge rusher at times, too. He was like the only player in college football. It was like with, I don't know, like five sacks and two interceptions and something like that. Like it was some crazy like across stat, right? And he's somebody who actually has risen a lot since the senior bowl. So now he's number 34 on the CBS sports board. Um, he has gotten so much better. I mean, obviously being a Texan guy, <laughs> I've gotten to watch a whole lot of Jalen Petrie and he's special. I mean, he just has great instincts. He's one of those players who recognizes plays before they happen. Uh, he has great speed. He's actually gotten lighter since he got to college and it's really given them the opportunity to be explosive in a way that he wasn't in the middle of his career. I think that he has a chance to be a really good NFL player and Again, the thing that I love about it so much, if we're picking a six on six sort of formation, is that Jalen Petrie is somebody who can line up at corner, safety, linebacker, or even as edge rusher if you really needed to. I like it. Versatility helps. And uh, congratulations on getting the Baylor guy. I should have pegged <laughs> that. That would have been your, ah, if I had taken the Baylor guy off. Sure, I, sure, I should have done it. It's like, oh, well, I, you know, I was going to take, um, you know, Sauce Gardner, but I'll take the Baylor guy just to make Shahan <laughs> scream. Uh, okay, I'm going to go back to receiver, and I'm going to take the guy that I think is the fourth best receiver. But I don't know that everybody thinks this. I do think I'm I'm sort of curious to see how this battle plays out. Jamison Williams, again, coming off the ACL, um, is not able to show what he can do right now. But I, I'm sort of – I'm curious to see, like, who sort of be, is viewed as the best sort of deep threat in this draft class. 
And clearly Jamison Williams has unbelievable speed. I don't know that this guy is quite as fast as Jamison Williams, but he can make plays down the field. And I'll take Chris Olave. Um, I definitely like Garrett Wilson ahead of Chris Olave. I definitely like the three guys who have gone ahead of Chris Olave. I'm not a, I don't quite view Chris Olave as like the number one kind of receiver as much. He's a little slight and he can get bigger, but he just, I think his frame is just that way a little bit, but smart, humble route runner down the field, ball in the air, can, can beat people deep, tracks balls. Well, had a really good connection with Justin Fields. You know, the Bears don't have a first-round pick because they traded it to get Justin Fields last year, but the Chicago Bears need a number one target for Justin Fields, and Chris Olave would be great for that. I mean, if you have a quarterback who can get the ball deep, Chris Olave uh, is a great guy for you, but he's not just that. He's not just a deep threat. So I, th- I do think he can be a receiver who does it all. So I feel pretty good about getting Olave at this point in the draft, and I do think he, I would have him fourth on my receiver board. Interesting. So I'm curious, uh, is that, is that that you don't want to take a chance on somebody like Jameson Williams with the ACL? Is it like, what, what is it uh, in relation to those two guys? So I cannot, and it is probably not the right way to think of it, but Jameson Williams was on the same team with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and like did nothing and then left. And so now the idea that like, oh, well, now Jamison Williams is better than Chris Olave. It's like, well, if he was better than Chris Olave, he would have beaten out Chris Olave. And that didn't come close to happening. I heard a very convincing argument that went the same way with some kid named Jake Fromm. No, I know. I know. And Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins. I thought you were going to say, Joe, oh, you're going to take Dwayne Haskins ahead of Joe Burrow? So I I get it. But um, Bama was desperate for a guy. Right. And Bryce Young was excellent. And I'm not saying that Jamison Williams is not going to be an excellent NFL receiver. Uh, and I'm not saying he didn't have a great year. I'm saying I can't like I can't get away from it and throw in the ACL and I'll go with Olave. I think Williams and Williams is faster. I think Olave just might be a little more of a complete dude from top to bottom. And so um, I'm probably too close to it because. Like, I didn't cover Alabama Jamison Williams. I covered Ohio State Jamison Williams in 2020, who, like, you barely even knew he was on the team half the time, and I get it. And smart move by him to go to a place where he could show who he is. He showed he's going to be dangerous. He might be Tyreek Hill. He might be Jamison Williams. Chris Olave is not. Jamison Williams might be that. But I'm just a, I'm a little – I'm a slight bit apprehensive of – you know, it's Bill O'Brien dialing it up, Bryce Young maneuvering in the pocket. He helps guys get open. Like that, that he he had some things helping him, but also Chris Olave had Ryan Day and Garrett Wilson taking coverage, and I get that too. So it might be wrong. And I'll but I'm fascinated to see particularly who goes higher. Like I if you would you bet that Jamison Williams goes higher than Chris Olave in this draft? I would have bet that a healthy Jamison Williams goes higher than Chris Olave. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, the, I think the thing that's interesting, because, uh, and again, you would you would know. So Chris Olave came in a year before Jamison Williams, right? Two years before, I think. No, no, it was a year before. Olave was class of 18 and William, Jamison Williams was class of 19. Okay. Because that's something, too, that comes into play, right? Is that if they just feel like they have a guy in a similar role and they don't need to bench a guy, I, you know, I mean, I don't, 
I think that a lot of the time you just get a level of talent coming in where it's like, we need to sit everybody and put them to the side. But like, you know, if you're at Ohio State, that probably doesn't happen quite the same way if you have a guy in that role. Like, Jameson Williams might have been awesome the whole time, and Chris Olave just did the same thing, you know? So, like, to me, and, and the thing is, too, I'm probably a little too far away at the other direction, where I think that I feel like I watch Ohio State games, and I'm like, why are people talking about the third best receiver on Ohio State so much? You know, because obviously he's the the touchdown record holder and all that, and that's a big part of it. And he did stuff earlier in his career, but, like, watching those games, it was like, oh, Garrett Wilson's definitely better than him and I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is too and so like for me I almost have like that opposite effect of like probably being like oh you know he doesn't look as special all the time as these other two guys and so I probably underrate him in some ways because of that well that also might be true that like Garrett Wilson might be the ninth pick in this draft and Jackson Smith and Jigba might be like the seventh pick in 2023 but that doesn't mean that Chris Olave shouldn't be the 19th pick this year so it it is Hard. I mean, I, sometimes it's hard to judge guys when they come from a place where they're so far the best player on the team that you, you the talent around them is so much lower, it's hard to judge them. It can also be difficult to judge guys sometimes when they're surrounded by talent. Is the talent around them making things easier? Sometimes guys get depressed because it's like, oh, well, he's not as good as that guy. It's like, yeah, that guy's the best guy to do this in the last five years. He's still really good. Uh, it's possible that Chris Olave this year played with the first receiver taken in the 22 draft and the first receiver taken in the 23 draft. And then it's like, ah, oh, what's up with that guy? It's like, well, that guy's a thousand yard receiver in the NFL also. So you're not wrong. <laughs> and I, but I might be. And again, I'm saying like, cause, cause Jamison Williams started for Ohio state in 2020. It was Chris Olave at the X. James, uh, Chris, Garrett Wilson was in the slot and Jamison Williams was the other outside receiver. And they just like didn't throw the ball to him. So, it, it, you know, that he was on the field, but they also went 12 personnel a lot. And when they put the extra tight end and, uh, and on the field, Jamison Williams was the guy who came out. It was the COVID year also, so everything was a little clunkier. So there's a world where Jamison Williams develops into a great receiver at Ohio State. There were just a couple things against him. Um, I, can't, I can't get away from it, though. So um, <laughs> so I guess if you want to take Jamison Williams right here on top of me, it's it's there for the taking, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like what I was talking about with Traylon Burks, where I'm like, I just, it's hard for me to pull the trigger. But like the value is, might just be too good, right? I There was another, there were two other receivers actually that I was really hoping to get on this board, like, because I kind of just assumed that I wouldn't get Jamison Williams. So I don't know, this is, and then on top of that, I still have other positions to fill out too. I still haven't picked a quarterback as yet. And I'm not saying I won't take Jamison Williams. I'm not afraid to have Jamison Williams on my team. I'm just not taking him ahead of Chris Olave. I, I, I don't know. It feels like you're trying to like uh trying to like pressure me now the other way. Man, this is tough. Uh, it turns out uh people don't like to hear this. Turns out there's a lot of good wide receivers. But I'm going to go with the guy who I think has a case to have been the best wide receiver in college football last year. And you talk about guys being surrounded by talent and it it being difficult to gauge guys in some ways. This is not that. This is David Bell from Purdue, who single-handedly led multiple upsets of top five teams by just being incredible. And Aiden O'Connell quarterback actually ended up being a pretty good player for them, but this was David Bell's offense. And, uh, you know, in some ways he saved the job of the coaching staff over there. Like he, 
he is a special player. He's not necessarily kind of seen as that top level first round type receiver, but I think he has a chance. I think it's a chance to be really special. And I'm worth, uh, I'm willing to take a chance on a guy who I watch be great at football over, you know, some of these guys who are projecting a little bit more. And it feels almost to me, I mean, I remember back at 2018, I think it was when AJ Brown ended up slipping into the mid second round. And I was like, this guy was the best receiver in the SEC. What are we doing? And he obviously has ended up being awesome in the NFL. So I think that David Bell has a chance uh, to be really special. That's really interesting. When you said you had a guy you wanted to take, that's not who I thought it would be. Uh, I'm curious to see how the Big Ten receivers shake out because Jahan Dotson's still on the board for us here too. And so um, I like David Bell. I wouldn't have taken David Bell, but I'm all in on I, – I agree with everything you said. It was a, Purdue was such a weird team that they weren't that good, but they had like a top 10 overall pick at defensive end and a, probably a first-round receiver on the offensive side of the ball. And those two guys at times – on their own were like enough to do things. And then Aiden O'Connell, you know what? Could sling a little bit. So David Bell was a problem. And again, but how do you, I have a hard time with that. And that's why I'm not a talent evaluator among other reasons. Like how do you evaluate Chris Olave versus David Bell? How do you evaluate Chris Olave as the third best receiver on his own team? And David Bell is like the best receiver that Purdue's had in 20 years, right? Like how do you, but who's like it's 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 hard to do that. What if David Bell was Ohio State's third receiver? What if Chris Olave was the focus of an offense? Right. I, I don't know. Um, but I do like the Bell pick here. I'm gonna go a little off the board because I think we're getting to the point where you can just kind of take some guys you like, even if it's not exactly what all the draft analysts say. I like this guy, I think he's smart. I think I want him on my team. I think he's one of those dangerous guys a little bit again of like, I like matching him up with a quarterback and letting him do some things and throw a quarterback off. I also think he'll probably be up in the box a little bit, play against the run. I'm going to take Jaquan Brisker from Penn state who is just like, I think like a smart professional safety. He's the number 38 overall player on PFF's board, six, one, 200. Um, like I just, I just see like he's a really, he's like a really good football player. And so I don't know how he's going to test, you know, but like he was at the Wisconsin game this year that he won last season that he kind of won with like a late pick where he read the quarterback and like made a game saving play. And it's like, I want a guy like that, like pulling my defense together. So again, is he as athletic as Kyle Hamilton? No, nobody is. But I'll take him as a wild card because I think he can do a couple different things. And I like dangerous safeties. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. This It is very difficult. I only have one defender left, and I'm having a very difficult time of trying to figure out who it should be. Uh, I, Jaquan Brisker was going to be my pick if he made it to the next pick. I, I think that, like you said, he's somebody who has range. He's somebody who reads offenses very well. Um, I, I think, like you said, he's one of those types of safeties who is what you need in today's game in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, somebody who can move around, somebody who can maybe play some nickel as well. Uh, and, and somebody who's a big hitter is the other thing too. So I, I think that that's a great pick. I think that that's who I would have picked as well. All right. Good for me. Uh, who are you taking? That was pick 16. Who are you taking at 17, John? Yeah, I need, I need some more time to think about these defenders, man. I, I, it's, it's tough. It's really tough, to be honest, <laughs> to think through some of these defenders. So I'm going to go to the offensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go to the position group that I think we have been avoiding like the play because we don't know what the hell is going on over here. And that's running back. Yeah. I, 
I am going to go with Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. Oh, right. Okay. A little bit off the board, but I like it. A little off the board. He's a, he's rated CBS's top uh, running back, but you know, he's number 49 on the board. There are other guys who are right around him. He's somebody who I think just projects very well as an NFL running back too. Uh, just in terms of, I think that he does a great job of finding gaps. I think he does a great job of being patient. He, I think he does a great job of being physical, of breaking tackles and you know, I mean, he's a slightly bigger guy, 6'1", 215, but I like that. You know, he's been through sort of the SEC meat grinder in a lot of ways. And Texas A&M's offensive line this past year was a real mess, but he still managed to have a solid season behind it. Uh, and, and I think was, in a lot of ways, the catalyst of what they wanted to do. And, and when I look at Jimbo Fisher offenses, there's so much talk about the quarterbacks because he had Jameis and a Heisman winner, all this sort of stuff. I mean, he runs a running back centric offense in a lot of ways. And so I think that uh, you look at what they've done over there at Texas A&M. I think that Isaiah Spiller is going to be very well prepared for the next level. He obviously did lead Texas A&M in 2020 to their best season in a long time. I, I think that he has a lot of those intangibles. There's there's one other guy that I'm curious if you're going to pick who uh, who was also in consideration for me. But Isaiah Spiller is who I'm ultimately going to go with. The running backs here are tough. And I do think it's a little bit of pick your poison. The sort of a consensus, it feels like maybe number one guy is I just like cannot completely get on board with. Um, so I like the Spiller pick. I don't know. Like, do you, is Spiller a like three down back in the NFL? Uh, I don't know. But how many guys like that? Like we said, Ezekiel and Saquon Barkley aren't in this draft. So if you can get a guy that'll help you. He doesn't have to play. He doesn't have to carry the ball 25 times a game. I mean, this guy, this is more maybe, you know, give it to him 12 to 15 times, throw it to him three or four times and he can help you. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't know if there's a sure thing for sure. I, I think that he probably is the guy. If you were to ask me right now, who I think has the best chance to become one, because really th- there isn't a guy, there isn't an obvious sort of like even contending for a first round pick type of guy. Um, but you know, he's the sort of guy who, again, he has the frame. He's caught the ball decently. So I think that that gives you some optimism. He's a, pr- he's a very good blocker actually is another thing that I'll say about that. So I think that does give you some hope that he can be on the field on third downs. So, you know, I, I think he's the chance that I would take. Okay. I'm going to take Jamison Williams, even though like you can't take another receiver. It's just, he deserves it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like be too crazy about this. So all the stuff I already said, like I take it back. No, I don't. I don't. It's not that I take it back. It's like this guy's. He's a, yeah. he. He has a chance to be a game changing speed guy, and 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 he Alabama does not make the national championship game without him. Like a like Nick Saban has said, listen, man, I think maybe we should tweak some of the portal stuff because if we don't tweak it, we're gonna work it. And the idea that they went and got a guy who was like fourth in Ohio State's receiver depth chart, and he was the most dynamic part of Alabama's offense. I mean, it's a huge credit to uh, Jamison Williams and what he did. So he's a great player and upside swing too, man. Like, is he going to catch 100 balls? Is he going to be like the focal point of your offense? I don't know, but man, he looks pretty darn fast. So with the, the ACL, I mean, guys recover from ACLs all the time. That really doesn't scare me that much. That really isn't why I didn't take him before. So I will take him here uh, and feel pretty good about it. No, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. It makes all the sense of the world, honestly. And so I think, uh, 
I think that especially with the guys that you've got, he's just a little bit different. I mean, I like having Traylon Burks as sort of that like possession guy. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see actually Traylon Burks as a guy who gets a lot of targets in the NFL. Um, and then Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, I think that they can take up different space. Like you kind of said, uh, it's, it's a rotation that makes a lot of sense to me. I think that, uh, I I think that certainly it's going to be up to Malik Willis now to get himself to a point where, uh, where he can connect with some of these guys deep because they're going to want to go deep. Well, at least I know who my quarterback is, Shahan. Um, we each need a wild card on defense. We each need a tight end. I need a running back. You need a quarterback. And we'll make those final picks next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, we're picking 24 guys overall. We have picked 18. So, Shahan, who are you taking here? Yeah, let's close out the defense. And, uh, obviously we're playing six on six. This isn't like real football, but you know, why not get a guy who can also help you on special teams as one of the most dynamic returners in America? I'm going to take Marcus Jones from Houston as my last defensive player. I, I considered a lot of different players in this role. He plays cornerback. He, he played cornerback at Houston, was one of the top rated, uh, coverage corners in the country the last two years as well. But I mean, th- this guy legitimately had a case to be a like Heisman finalist. I mean, if he played for a bigger squad, I think he would have been one. Uh, it was almost like the Zayvon Collins thing where they just put him all over the field. He made big plays over and over again. He won games with interceptions. And you look at Houston jumping to being a 12 win team this past year. Marcus Jones is such a huge part of that. And, um, again, you know, I, I don't, I, I certainly want to see how he tests. Maybe, maybe he runs a, you know, a four seven seven, and this is a bad pick. But uh, at this point, his film has been incredible, uh, and I think that he has a chance. And he showed against better teams as well. Um, I, I think it's a chance to be an NFL starter. I like it. This is this is a good spot to go. Like take take the guys you love. So um, I like this pick, and I'm going to wait to finish off my defenders because I'm not a thousand percent sure who I want to take yet. And I'm going to go ahead and take the tight end that, according to PFF, he is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleventh tight end on the PFF board. And I can't help it. I can't help it. This probably goes back to my preseason playoff projection. With the Iowa State Cyclones. I knew it. I, I honestly wanted to wait. I, I wanted this guy too. But I honestly wanted to wait just to see if this was the guy that you were taking. Charlie Kolar. I can't help it. He just feels so – again, I said everybody in the draft is 6'5", 250. He's 6'6". Six, six. He's like a little bigger. He's 260, right? They fed him the ball a ton. You know, I like Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M, Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State. He didn't get the ball at all. He's getting some love. Trey McBride of Colorado State is PFF's number one tight end. I feel like you can roll the dice, and I don't know who comes up as the best tight end in this draft. But this is like a Big 12 dude who's 6'6", who's been used heavily in the offense. I think if his quarterback was a little bit better, people might even like him more. And I just like him. So I don't care where if he's the 187th ranked player, according to PFF. I just think there's more upside here. George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. Mark Andrews was a third-round pick. Like You find 
Dawson Knox, Dalton Schultz, you find these third, fourth, fifth round tight ends who turn out to be exactly what you want in the NFL. And I just, I can't get off Charlie Kolar for some reason. And if it's, it's not only my Iowa state PTSD for picking them to make the playoff when they went seven and six, he's a good player. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is the real deal. And uh, by the way, by the way, I do have to ask, uh, do you know where Charlie Kolar is from? I don't. He's from Norman, Oklahoma. The University of Oklahoma let this guy get out of their backyard, and then he went on to become one of the best tight ends in all of college football at one of their rivals who beat them. And you mentioned uh, maybe people like him more if he played with a uh, with a better quarterback. I actually think that playing with a bad quarterback was one of the best things for him because I don't think that a good quarterback's throwing his tight end the ball sixty two times. But uh, but in all seriousness. If you watch Iowa State games, uh, not just 2021, which is a, a wild ride of a year, but also 2020, anytime they needed a big play, every person, all 22 players on the field knew it was going to Charlie Kolar every single time. So if you're looking at somebody who's a game changer in the passing game, which I think you have to be uh, in 2022 to be an elite tight end, Charlie Kolar is that guy. He has fantastic hands. You know, one guy that I'm not going to pick, um, you know, is Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M, who has a lot of the skills, a lot of the tools. He dealt with drops sometimes. That was a kind of recurring theme in his career. Charlie Kolar does not drop the football. He is incredible. And actually the whole way that, uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think that you could make the argument that Iowa State's entire offense is built around handing Brees Hall the ball and throwing the ball to Charlie Kolar. Like the tight end pass game is everything for Iowa State. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of really interesting schematic reasons why they kind of build it up that way that I've kind of talked to them about, which is a whole other podcast. But like, seriously, Charlie Kolar was that dude. He was the best tight end in the Big 12 for the last three years, basically. He could have left for the draft last year, but instead he went and uh, I can't remember what the award is called, but he won like the Academic Heisman. Is it the Campbell Trophy? Something like that? Like, like he is, he is that dude. He, I mean, he is, you talk about the most beloved players in Iowa State history. Charlie Kolar is going to be on that list. And I, I certainly think, um, you know, he's number, yeah, one, number 128 on CBS sports board. That's crazy to me. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry to Cade Otten from Washington or Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to take Charlie Kolar ahead of him. Listen, and if you're big, and you can get open and, and that you have good hands. You catch it when they throw it to you. Like I, I like the I, obviously the testing numbers are gonna matter because you have to have good quickness and change of direction and speed to get open. But this guy's done that, right? And and it's not against other tight ends who weren't throwing the ball as much. You can't help that. But there's not any doubt that this guy can be a focal part of the offense. And so I just again run through the list. You find great tight ends in the middle rounds. I just think somebody's going to take him in the third or fourth round and be like, oh yeah, that guy, he had 80 catches for us last year. So, all right, I feel good. I'm starting to fire. I, you have no <laughs> idea how much your opinion matters to me, Shahan. So when <laughs> when you, that was the closest, oh, I got you from you yet that I took Charlie Kolar <laughs> out from under you. So I feel good about that. I seriously was just waiting for you to pick him, but I just, wa- I wanted to see it. I knew that that was what you were going to do, but, uh, but I wanted to see it. So the fighting Matt Campbell's let me down, but I <laughs> will never let them down. So I'll go with a, I'll go with my tight end now, leaving just quarterback left, by the way. And, um, so when I was doing the, so we've talked about this before, we met while doing the Football Writers Association of America, All America Committee. And, uh, I remember this guy because 
right before we did the awards, uh, that sort of deal, we got like this long email forwarded from the Mackie Award Committee uh, about tight ends and basically like broke down every tiny number that Trey McBride has ever done in his entire career. And they're basically like, not only is he good, he plays fully in line. He doesn't play out wide, which matters to them, does not matter to me at all. Um, But then like, look at his blocking grades, look at his per possession grades, look at his per play grades. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll vote for Trey McBride. So Trey McBride is my guy uh, from Colorado State uh, at tight end. He's a really good player. He is somebody who, as a blocker and as a pass catcher, really showed a lot. I think that actually he has a lot of untapped potential as a pass catcher because, shocker, a Steve Adazio offense did not throw the ball especially well. But um, I think when he goes to the next level, you do talk about him. I, I mean, I think that he is in a lot of ways this sort of product of Greg Kittle, right? Of, of seeing these guys who are just physical and love blocking and love kind of getting after it and play, you know, kind of big and tough. And I think that that Trey McBride is probably that guy from this class who who has a chance to to break out of that mold. Now, again, as a pass catcher alone, Charlie Kolar is that guy. He's still a great blocker as well. But um, I, I think that when you're talking about maybe the, the really well-rounded guys in an offense, that's what Trey McBride can potentially be. And he's the top tight end for PFF. And I think he's the top tight end on, on, on some other boards as well. So yeah, Everyone's board, basically. This, he's like kind of like the guy. Uh, and I probably, when we get to April, he should probably be the, the, the first tight end off the board that you should expect to go. All right, I'm going to double up on my Ames love. And I'm going to take Grease Hall. <laughs> At running back, we're leaving Kenneth Walker Jr. on the board, and uh, the third. Don't don't shortchange my generation. Uh, Kenneth Walker the third. He's a good player. Things happen sometimes, and it's hard for me. And as you guys know, I mean, I cover Ohio State. Those are the games that I go to on Saturdays. Kenneth Walker the third, like, came to Columbus as a Heisman candidate, and then like it was like he didn't play. Like they just completely shut him down. They wiped. Ohio State dominated Michigan State that day, and I can't get past a little bit. And so he carried Michigan State. He did. He did. He did. He was awesome against Michigan. He won that game by himself. He made things out of nothing in that game. This is not to discredit him. I don't know about the next level stuff. I just I just don't. There feels like a little bit of an overachieving, like, worked his butt off kind of thing there. And that's an awesome thing for like a brief Heisman candidacy and to help Michigan state have a great year. It's not necessarily where I'm going in the NFL draft. I just like Brees Hall. He was a, just like Charlie Kolar. He was like the guy that made that team go Um, offensively. I think he can catch it a little bit. I like his size. I do. I think he's going to be a fantastic back in the NFL. Not really, but I don't know that anybody in this group is going to be an absolutely fantastic back in the NFL. He's second on PFF's running back board behind Kenneth Walker the third, um, six one two twenty. I I kind of don't know who else to take, so I'll take Brees Hall. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, well, first of all, I I watched other games other than Michigan State, Ohio State, and guess what? He was a great college football player. Kenneth Walker the third. He was, he was, he was, he was. Great, great college football player. Um, but the thing that I'll say, I am always nervous. And, and this is not just a running back thing, but I think especially a running back thing. I, I'm always nervous at guys who like rack up a ton of yardage by breaking away. I just don't think that that happens in the NFL all that often. You know, I mean, it's, it's just pretty rare. I mean, you have to, Tyreek Hill exists. I, I don't want to discount that, but like, Usually when you're in college, 
and you break through the line. Like a lot of the time you make a move and make a linebacker look silly and then you're off, right? You're off to the races. Well, in the NFL, it's you're tackled after eight yards and that's a great play. You want to have an eight yard play, right? But like you have to do it over and over and over again in a way that you just don't have to in college. Like one play can really change a game in college in a way that you don't consistently in the NFL, right? I mean, when, when we look at, at college numbers in general, like explosive play rate is a huge indicator of success because like it correlates with points in a lot of ways. It doesn't the same way in the NFL. It gives you a great chance to win, but it's, it's not quite the same. And so I look at Kenneth Walker, the third as somebody who has a tremendous explosive play rate. And that's a good thing, but I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's meat and potatoes, right? I don't know if it's something that you can build your offense around. And so for me, I like these guys, uh, like Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall, who constantly get, get through contact, you know, deal with contact really well, are really quick, even if they're not necessarily really fast. Like, I think that the most overrated thing in a running back is top end speed, right? Like, I don't care what he runs in the freaking 40 yard dash. I care what he runs in the 10 yard split, right? And so I, I think that, um, I think that Brees Hall is the right pick here. I think that he has the potential to be really good at the next level. Uh, he was again, Along with Charlie Kolar, the engine of that Iowa State offense. And, uh, and I think he'll have a chance to be, he's probably more of a two down guy in the NFL, but like, he'll be a really good two down guy in the NFL, I think. All right. So we're down to our last picks. I'm going to make my pick first, even though it's the last pick, because we want to end with your quarterback thing. I don't have a lot of strong feelings here. I'm going to take a Georgia guy because Georgia had a great defense. And so I am, I'm going to take Lewis Seen, the safety, who kind of held a lot of things together. I think he's a lot like Juan Brisker. I like having two smart sort of like leaders at safety. Is he going to blow people away in testing at the combine? Maybe not. I could have taken Channing Tindall. I, t- I could have taken Quay Walker, another like one of the other – Georgia linebackers, um, Trent McDuffie of Washington corner is like ranked really high by PFF. He's a little undersized. So I didn't go there. I'll just take a guy who I, who I believe in. I don't know how high he'll go. He's a top 40 player for PFF, but we, we talked already. We don't need to say again about how we much we value sort of these, this, the safety position in the NFL give me a smart leader at safety and I'll feel good about it. And I think I got two of those guys in, in Brisker and Lewis it's it's really interesting how like once we got past our first wild card, everything just felt really hard. <laughs> you know, it felt really hard to find a next guy. There wasn't sort of an elite level guy, but I, I think that Lewis Seen is a really good player, and and he mentioned it. I mean, their corners got kind of dealt with a little bit uh, against Alabama, especially, but their safety play was really good. They they do a lot in the run game as well. I think that they're pretty versatile, and yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see at the next level. What happens? I mean, I think that maybe Lewisine is somebody who could test well potentially and, and maybe move up aboard that way because I do think that the Georgia defense is easy to take it for granted because they just had so many good players. So I definitely am curious to see how he tests, uh, how he interviews with teams, what his tape looks like, uh, to NFL scouts. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate it at all. All right. So we'll finish up with your pick at quarterback. And I am very curious to see where you go here. Yeah, me too, to be honest. Um, so, I mean, there, there's no other picks left to make, so I can talk through these guys. Uh, so Matt Corral is probably the safest pick in some ways. Um, I think that he has like the big arm. He played really well in that particular offense. 
Sam Howell's like the home run guy in a lot of ways, right? He's the guy who throws down the field. You know what? I, I did not realize that Sam Howell had over 800 rushing yards, including 1,100 not counting sacks. That's crazy to me. He had like four rushing touchdowns in the game this year. He just like ran and chucked it all year. It was like, right? It was like 50-yard passes and 10-yard runs. Weirdest thing in the world. Uh, Desmond Ritter, you know, we talked about it a little on uh, on yesterday's show. You know, just a, a lot of things to like, but also a lot of things that you question about his upside. Um, Carson Strong from Nevada, also a, a really good player. I mean, I think uh, I, I think that he's somebody who, from a tools perspective, I know play. where you're going. I know where you're going now. Okay, keep talking. Now I'm I, getting the sense of I think I do. I thought, are you, I'll, oh, go ahead. I'm not, <laughs> well, I'm getting all excited for what you're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm down to two players. I'm down to two players. Okay, and I'm talking myself through them. So one of those two players is Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kenny Pickett improved so much as a senior. And I get it. It's one of those like, oh, well, he was in college football a long time. Is that real? But like, I'm not bothered by that. I mean, if you're drafting a quarterback, right, you're not drafting an NBA first round pick. You don't have to care that he's 23. Like if he's gotten better, then he's gotten better. I think he has gotten better. The other guy that I'm thinking of, is Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky. That's who you're going to pick. <laughs> That's who you're going to pick. You can't help yourself. I can't help myself. Uh, so Bailey Zappi, just for people who maybe didn't follow, uh, broke the all-time record with nearly 6,000 passing yards and 62 touchdowns. He had the single greatest passing season in the history of college football in his first year as a as an FBS player, not a Division One player, an FBS player. He was an FCS quarterback before that. And this is not just something that was contained to when he played bad teams. Like, he went to Michigan State, threw for 488 yards and three touchdowns on 72% completion. He went to Indiana, who struggled but is a good pass defense and threw for 365 and three touchdowns he threw 62 touchdowns with 11 interceptions in 2021 I am not, those aren't real numbers and by the way he played app state a team that physically overmatches western kentucky in every way in the bowl game threw for 422 yards and six touchdowns so the concern with bailey zappi Certainly plays in an air raid style system, right? So he was asked to throw the ball a whole lot. He threw the ball 686 times this year. That's insane. Is the concern that his arm is going to fall off before he actually gets to the NFL? But it hasn't yet. It hasn't yet. And so, but, but in all seriousness, the thing that I like is that he is a volume guy, but he averaged 8.7 yards per attempt. He's not sort of this like, throwing mesh every play type of air raid quarterback he's just not he's throwing the ball downfield i don't think he has elite arm strength he, he cannot make the josh allen throws he cannot make the patrick mahomes throws but what he can do is he has the best ball placement of any quarterback in this in this draft class and it's not even really that close i mean we're talking about somebody who you know j- just elevates an offense in every way that you can i actually wrote a story back when i was at dave campbell's texas football back in 2020 about Bailey Zappi because he played multiple games against FBS opponents as an FCS player playing at Houston Baptist University, which is a program that uh, has a CVS in its stadium. because It's like connected. There's no other side sideline. That's a whole other thing. But uh, his numbers were insane in those games. He went up to the to the FBS level, played on a Division One FBS team and broke every record that there was to break. 
I don't love any of the quarterbacks in this year's draft. I love Bailey Zappi. Why not? Let's go with Bailey Zappi. And it's like, well, what does he do well? It's like, oh, all he does well is throw it. It's like, oh, you mean the thing? You mean the thing that is the job? This this could be one of those where we look back in five years at this group of like, oh, this guy's trait. No, this guy's. And it's like, yeah, the guy who can put the ball exactly where he wants it to go at all times and has been reading defenses for five years in this offensive style. And yeah, we can get him under center a little bit and we can do a little 12. It'll be fine. He'll figure it out. So I, I, I once you started talking, I was like, oh, I know where he's going. It fits you. <laughs> Because as much as you like performance, you also like a little bit of that underdog, a little bit of that underdog. But this, he's going to be the seventh quarterback off the board because it's Pickett, Corral, Howell, Willis, and Ritter as kind of a top five. And then I think Strong is six. And he's going to go like in the third round or fourth round. And he's going to go somewhere where no one's expecting him to start and something's going to happen. And like he's going to be like Gardner Minshew, but like actually good. You know what I mean? Like I just – you can see this happening and it's not like it doesn't happen sometimes. So uh, I think this could be real. I don't know if anyone will fall in love. And again, we're recording this before the quarterbacks throw at the combine. I'll be curious if he goes out there and just starts putting everything in like a six-inch window and everybody goes, ooh, okay, let's not worry about three-cone drills. Let's not worry about you know what level he played at most of his career. This guy can put the ball exactly where he wants it to go. And that goes a long way. So I think that's a very Shahan-esque pick, but I think it's a good pick. This is a guy to watch. This is a guy to watch. And there's just going to be a certain kind of coach, a certain kind of quarterbacks coach, a certain kind of coordinator that's going to be like, yep, that's the guy. And somebody's going to come in the back door on him and maybe take him earlier in the third round than expected. And this guy might be starting games by the middle of next year in the NFL. Yeah, and I think the thing too, right, is that he – when he throws those deep passes at the combine, like they're probably going to float a little bit. That's going to be the big thing. And people are going to worry, but you know, you talk about elite traits. I know that that's something that you said that Ryan day talks about again, the, the ball placement is elite, just super duper elite, even playing against higher level competition. And the other thing too is, is I think that he does have that elite level processing. Like you never, you never project to Tom Brady. That just doesn't happen. It's happened one time in history, but I do think that there's a little bit of that where when Tom Brady came out, he was a little bit of a weak armed quarterback who made good decisions. Uh, I think that Bailey Zappi could be that kind of player, you know, and uh, I think he has decent size. He's dealt with punishment pretty well. You know, he, he didn't play behind a great offensive line at Houston Baptist and still process at a really high level. I don't know. It's, it's one of the, it's buying a lottery ticket. I, I don't want to, <laughs> this is not a sure thing. I would not pick him number one in the draft, but the other thing too, is that if he's picked like third round, I would love him to, to end up in a situation where he's playing for a good team. You know, where, where he has an opportunity to either learn behind somebody or kind of come in and just kind of compete. You know, I look at a team like, uh, like the Vikings, you know, not that they're a great team, but like you got Kirk Cousins in the room and you're like, man, this, this kid is kind of interesting. I don't know. Like, let's maybe give it a try. You know, a team like the Colts or something like that. Somebody who maybe has a great offensive line too. I, I don't know. There's opportunities for him. And, uh, I do think that Bailey Zappi will start NFL games and we'll see what happens from there. All right, so those are our two 12-person parking lot passing game teams. Let me run through my offense. I have Malik Willis at quarterback, handing off to – that's Malik Willis of Liberty, handing off to Iowa State's Brees Hall, 
throwing to Traylon Brooks of Arkansas, Chris Olave of Iowa State, uh, excuse me, Ohio State, and Jamison Williams of Alabama with Iowa State's Charlie Kolar at tight end. Uh, what's your offense, Shahan? I got Bailey Zappi at quarterback. I've got Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M at running back. Trey McBride, a name that you're going to start to to hear a lot real quick from Colorado State at tight end. Then Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and David Bell at wide receiver. And I'll be honest, I think that my wide receivers blow yours out of the water. Yeah, you like Bell a lot. The one guy that we didn't that didn't get picked, and I think I I thought was the guy that you were going to pick when it was like I sort of want to pick this guy is George Pickens. Yeah, he was the other guy. I couldn't take George Pickens ahead of Jamison Williams. That would have been insane. But George Pickens is a guy I wouldn't have minded. If you had taken Jamison Williams, I would have taken George Pickens instead of David Bell. Um, but that is an upside guy I think that we both like in the second round, and we both think if he – and we talked about it on the Tuesday podcast. Tuesday podcast, by the way, for Apple Podcast subscribers, it's two ninety nine a month. You can sign up at Apple Podcasts. You get all the Tuesday shows. You get four shows. So it's like 75 cents a show. We talked about specifically players from the playoff teams, Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan, that we liked in this draft. And George Pickens is one of the discussion topics there. So not surprised he didn't go. I think these guys had to go. But we both like George Pickens. All right. My defense, Derek Stingley Jr. and Sauce Gardner at corner. Stingley from LSU, Gardner from Cincinnati. I think I had the two best corners. Dax Hill from Michigan at safety. Devin Lloyd of Utah at linebacker, and then two wild cards at safety, Jaquan Brisker of Penn State and Lewis Seen of Georgia. What's your defense, Shahan? So obviously I went pretty defensive back heavy. I went with Roger McCreary and Andrew Booth at cornerback, Marcus Jones as sort of a flex cornerback, Kyle Hamilton at safety along with Jalen Petrie from Baylor, and Nicobe Dean as my lone linebacker. So uh, I think we're we're fairly evenly matched. I mean, I like my two corners. I can't disagree that you have the better receiving core. Um, I like Nico- you, that you have Nicobe Dean and Kyle Hamilton as your top two picks. That's a pretty darn good way to start a defense. Kyle Hamilton certainly is a game changer, but I think we're, we're decently evenly matched. And um, we'll just have to see if Bailey Zappi can squeeze in the ball into those tight windows when Derek Stingley Jr. and Sauce Gardner are trying to lock it down against Garrett Wilson and Drake London. Well, the good news is when you're throwing to Garrett Wilson and Drake London, there aren't many tight windows. Uh, not many guys can keep up with them. Yeah. Okay. Great. You love your team. And actually, actually, you know what this means too is that David Bell is going to be lined up against Lewis Seen. And, uh, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that matchup. Well, we'll get Dax down there. We'll get Dax Hill helping out a little bit in the <laughs> slot there too. So we'll figure that out. But, um, that was a fun exercise. I mean, again, we're, we're not NFL draft people, but we gave you a little indication of sort of who we like in this draft, what we thought of them as college football players, what we think of them as NFL draft prospects. Next week, we'll have the Tuesday show on Apple Podcasts. We'll have the Wednesday show as regular. Um, I'll have gathered some stuff at the Combine. So we'll see if that influences the pod or not. But I also have some ideas. We have some plans. I liked drafting things. This was kind of a weird one, but I really like drafting things. And I have some other ideas about looking at some historical playoff stuff. This is a show that focuses on the playoff. So there are some things. We have eight years of the playoff now, and I'd like to maybe dance around with that a little bit when we start doing some drafting along those lines maybe. So thanks to you guys for joining us for this six-on-six parking lot draft, the Fighting Shahans versus the Fighting Lesmarises. It's not actually how to say my name. Why would I mispronounce my name on purpose to confuse people even more? It's Les Maurice. It's French. Fighting Jay Harajas and the Fighting Lay Maurice's will be out in the parking lot. We'll, we'll try to get it on pay-per-view. We'll let you guys know um, how you can sign up for that streaming service. I'll, I'll try to – you know what I'll do, Shahan? When I'm at the combine the next several days, I'll ask the guys if they'll play. I'll, I'll try <laughs> – I'll be go. like, hey, Malik. Hey, Chris. Hey, Traylon. Hey, Sauce. Hey, Derek. 
could you, would you mind going out in the parking lot of Lucas Oil Stadium and uh, Isaiah and Drake and Garrett, you you guys get on the other side and then you can coach your team over Zoom and I'll coach it in person. We'll see how it goes. I, I know for sure that Bailey Zappi would do that in a second. He would absolutely do that. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of them. I, I don't know about Jamison Williams going out there with his torn ACL to go play street yard ball, but, uh, but I, I think we could get a couple on this list. Sometimes at the combine, there's not a ton of reporters around certain players. If there is a moment where Bailey Zappi does not have a lot of people around him and it's kind of just me and Bailey, I will tell him that you picked him for this. And I will try to get comment about it, and I will try to play it on the show next Wednesday. We'll see if that can happen. I love it. Bailey Zappi. And maybe he and I will just go throw the ball in the parking lot. and That'll be the closest we get to that. All right. Thanks, you guys, for being part of it. Thanks. Uh, Subscribe. Just subscribe so you get the show. College Football Survivor Show. Just subscribe wherever you find podcasts. Make sure you're reading Shahan at CBS Sports. And we always appreciate you guys making us part of your week. For Shahan J. Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.